here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be the first ever episode of the Chiefs Take Podcast on the Halftime app. Now, using the Halftime app is something different for me. I had this amazing opportunity to go live to join this great community that they are trying to start over here. I know they've had a ton of success with basketball. I know they've had a ton of success trying to, you know, get people going to get in on their live app here. And I really thought this is a cool opportunity for me to be able to try and host a live kind of show and do it from a new and up and rising platform. Now, what is Chiefs Take? I think some of you who are on here might be wondering. I think that everyone who's listened to Chiefs Take, whether it be on Anchor or Spotify in the past year or so, it's kind of a unique it's kind of a unique podcast, okay? I don't just go into the regular type of sports media nonsense. You know, I'm not going to be in here sitting here talking like Skip and Shannon on TV. I'm not going to be sitting here debating what why Patrick Mahomes is the GOAT 24-7. I don't need to do that. I don't need to explain to people how good he is. I'm going to break down the fun stuff, you know, the stuff that actual football guys are going to be looking for. And as the show is going to progress on here, I'd like to be able to get some more viewers, get some more guests But the big thing for us is we provide accurate information and we stay true to what we know, and that is football. Now, the guests I usually will have on this show will be either former teammates of mine from college or people who I work with at Arrowhead Live. And through that community, we've built up a strong little base, and that's really where I do all of my work. Let me introduce myself to you guys, though, for some of you that may not know who I am. Uh, My name is Caleb James. And I have been covering the Chiefs, been doing media stuff with the Chiefs for around two years now. And I really started out, it was just kind of something fun at first that I was doing. I would post film clips to YouTube, That's or not YouTube, Twitter, because that's kind of where I got my base from, is I played football my whole life, okay? I played from basically... The time I was in fifth grade until I was a senior in college. So I have a very good understanding of the game. And I've spent a lot of time in film rooms breaking down a lot of stuff. I'm hoping to post some more of that stuff here. I've posted a little bit here, some of the articles I write for the website. And I've had some really good feedback on that. So I appreciate that. But really, we like to go in and break down what's going on during plays. And I understand that can be kind of hard to do when you're just going to be listening to an app. It's, I don't have a real video platform for this yet. Now, my other show, I think I posted it on here the other day, The Coach's Corner is another thing I do through Arrowhead Live. We do uh, we put that on YouTube. That'll have film breakdowns on it once the Game Pass and All-22 film get rolling again. Now, I think the big thing for this podcast here is we are going to always try to give it to you like it is when it comes to the Chiefs. You know, we're not going to sugarcoat it. We're not going to be the ultimate bandwagoners, and we're not going to be just trying to be out here firing hot take after hot take. So, But, man, oh, man, I do know a fan base that is firing a lot of hot takes right now, and that would be the Cleveland Browns, and I think that'll be a great introduction into this show here. Because this is a Chiefs-centric podcast we are listening to. But as you go on Twitter yesterday, I believe I'm seeing several, a reporter from the city, I don't know if he's from Cleveland, but he seems to be covering the Browns. And he said that Kevin Stefanski is a better coach than Andy Reid. Don't get me wrong. I think Kevin Stefanski is an excellent coach. He has completely changed the culture of a classic losing organization that has only known losing in a city that is built around losing. And he's a good coach for it. He has actually built them into a contending team. He's built them into this team that people think is going is going to be able to compete with the Chiefs this year. My big thing with that, though, is he said he's better than Andy Reid. And... This is not a knock on Kevin Stefanski, but he hasn't even tipped the iceberg. He hasn't even hit the tip of the iceberg yet for what he's done versus what Andy Reid has done in a career. I know the big argument was, well, what have they done for you lately? Well, last time I checked, the last time the Browns did play the Chiefs head-to-head, the Chiefs did come out victorious in that playoff game. And 
I do think there was a point in that game where Andy Reid did outcoach Kevin Stefanski. I think it was there at the very end when Chad Henney was in the game. You see the gamesmanship from the Chiefs there. The offensive linemen standing hips on their hands. Everyone's kind of looking like it's going to be a, a fake, you know, a fake out just so they can see if they can get him to jump, steal extra five. And then right there at the last second, Chad Henney snaps the football. And boom, he goes out, throws that little rollout to Tyree Kill to play. The Chiefs had run three times earlier in the season when it came down to it. And it came out, and they won the football game, okay? And then you take a look back at that track record and that history, though. Kevin Stefanski has coached a couple of seasons, and he's had a tremendous amount of success. The Browns' run game, which I'll get into more here in a little bit, the Browns' run game is incredible, their offensive line is legit, okay? They have two bookend tackles, Jack Conklin, Jedrick Wills. They have good center. They have good guards. They are solid across the board, and they have the best running back duo in the NFL. They have Nick Chubb, who is a monster, and they have Kareem Hunt, who is arguably right there, just as good as Chubb, if not a little bit better. And all of us in Kansas City, we know what, you know, we know what Kareem Hunt can do. We know what he's all about. Kevin Stefanski's taken them and he's built them up and you know that he's gotten good results out of Baker Mayfield you know it, they're above average it's better than good for Baker right now but when you look at what Andy Reid has done on the other end he's coached in the NFL for decades now he's coached some of the best the game has seen he's coached Brett Favre he's coached Patrick Mahomes He's, I think he pretty much helped revitalize Michael Vick's career and brought him out of the gutter. You know, he turned Donovan McNabb from who could have been an average quarterback his entire career into a guy that started in a Super Bowl, not an average coach. And when you look at his success, you look at all the time in Philadelphia he spent, that's impressive as it is. He got the Eagles to a Super Bowl when a time when no one thought that was possible. And he went, and then he went and goes out. And he goes to the playoffs like the next 10 years in a row. The Eagles were consistent contenders in the NFC, though they could never get over the hump. And then he comes to Kansas City, and he has maybe one of the greatest turnarounds in one season the NFL had ever seen. Drafts Patrick Mahomes. The rest is history. So that argument to me has just fallen a little bit flat. That, And I know Chiefs Kingdom has been outraged about it like we tend to do. We get upset. We like to defend our guys. We don't like it when people are talking down on our boys. And I completely get that. That's completely understandable. But don't fire that takeoff days before the game starts, okay? Andy Reid has every advantage going into this over Kevin Stefanski coach-wise. Now, it's going to be a game, and let's get into that. And really, let's start with some news first. Because there's been a pretty big bombshell drop today. It's that uh, Tyron Matthew is likely still testing positive for COVID-19. That's big. I did not foresee, you know, and Tyron Matthew, he has, he has shared his vaccine status. He is vaccinated, according to him. He's shared that with the team. The Chiefs, amongst the most vaccinated teams in the NFL against COVID-19, it's somewhere around, they're, you know, they're close to 100%. That's what the report says. But he's still testing positive, and we are on the Thursday before the game. So for him, it, you know, he's going to have to have a series of negative tests that's likely going to come down to Sunday. But missing him on the roster, that could be an absolutely huge blow to the defense. And when I say huge blow, he is the vocal leader. He gets everyone right on the defense. I won't, I, don't, I won't say he's the best player. I think that's Chris Jones, the best player on the Chiefs' defense. But I'm really going to be disappointed if we don't get to see Matthew out there in such a pivotal matchup just because of all the things he does. And I even posted on Twitter last night a play of him making a play in that Browns playoff game last year. You know, He had his fingerprints all over that game, whether it be running stuff down, blowing up plays in the hole, getting that interception on Mayfield. He had a clear and direct impact on the game. Now, I think that's going to, you know, that's going to be interesting for the secondary because Juan Thornhill has not played a ton of snaps in the last year. You know, he, they brought him back slowly. He looked good in the preseason, so we're going to see how it goes with him. Dan Sorensen, I already expected him to play a lot. I think a lot of people expected him to play a lot. His role is going to be significantly larger as we head into this thing. But where I think that's going to maybe affect Kansas City if they can't get him on the field is probably just, you know, not being able to line him up in the slot because 
or line him up to be able to take on some slot guys, be able to line him up along the line of scrimmage. Because Cleveland is going to come in. They're going to try to run the football. They're going to try to set up their play-action game for Baker Mayfield. And really, their big goal in this one, I think it's going to be to try to come out guns blazing. You know, They've had all these struggles starting out their seasons. I saw they've lost their last how many nine openers in a row, whereas the Chiefs have won several openers here. They, you know, they haven't lost a game in September with Patrick Mahomes. I think the big thing here is the Browns are going to come out and throw everything the Chiefs have at them. You know, I think they're going to throw the kitchen sink at them from an, for the Browns' offense in the first half. I'd be on the lookout for the trick plays, you know, the double passes. They're going to let Jarvis Landry throw one. They're going to try to set up some deep shots with Odell. They're going to let Baker throw the deep ball a little bit. They're going to line up and try to ground and pound and set up the play action. Just wither the early storm because there's going to be a lot of emotions flying. Arrowhead is going to be charged. But if Matthew can't go, which I'm optimistic he will be able to go, I think that I'm just going to be positive on this one so that maybe we could see him play. But, man, this is going to put an even bigger test on the Chiefs defensive line's shoulders. And I really think the Chiefs defensive line is going to be one of the best defensive line units in the NFL this year. Frank Clark, I I have a feeling he's going to play. He might not, you know, they might be limiting some of his reps, but really where it's going to be for me is what's Chris Jones going to do? What's Jaron Reed going to do? And what's Derek Nottie going to do? Tershawn Wharton, that whole crew of guys. Because I think that's where the Chiefs can win the game from a defensive standpoint is if they can, you know, stand guys up in the hole and if they can, you know, cre- you know if they can clog up the inside, take on the double teams and stop the run at the line of scrimmage, that's going to make things easier on the linebackers, and that's also important because Willie Gay, who is the team's best, you know, best athlete at the linebacker position, is going to be missing the game. And this was a game where the Chiefs were, I think, going to need him quite a bit, just because of how much Cleveland utilizes their linebackers. Just because this is a game where they're going to throw the swing pass out to Hunt and Chubb and let him make a play in space. If they run Ben Neiman out there, the Chiefs might struggle. I hope that maybe he's shown some improvement. I don't know if I've seen it from him. Anthony Hitchens, he's looked a lot better this offseason. I've talked about his improvement in the preseason a lot, and I think this is a game that's tailor-made for him as far as going inside and blowing up stuff inside between the C and A gaps because that is where he makes his living. That's where the Browns are going to try to run the ball. He made some nice plays in the playoff games last year, and Really, against these run-heavy teams, those are the teams that Hitch is more designed for. But then we have Nick Bolton, young, a young guy out of Mizzou. Um, a lot of people not happy with that draft pick. I was. I, I could understand why people weren't happy with it. They wanted the Chiefs to go out and try to get a wide receiver. They wanted the Chiefs to try to go out and get an offensive playmaker or something along those lines. It didn't really happen. I don't think they were real thrilled with what they saw. So they went defense, and a vast majority of the people have uh, criticized the pick because they say Bolton is only an average athlete, and he doesn't really have the build that a successful NFL linebacker has. You know, he's a little bit shorter, he's a little bit stockier, and, you know, his testing numbers 40-wise aren't there. But what you do have when you have him on the field is a very instinctual football player, a very smart football player, a guy who can run up, you know, a guy who can go clog up gaps. And I get told he's not good at covering the pass, yet you look at all his games, and when he was at Mizzou covering the pass, he's covering up guys like Kadarius Toney at Florida. He's going toe-to-toe with Kyle Pitts in the passing game. You know, he's going against like Najee Harris and all these guys from Alabama. He's you know, the only player from Mizzou at times when they're going against like Florida and Alabama that didn't look outmatched. I don't think the stage is going to be too big for him here. And to hear that kind of confidence from Spags and Andy, they did not show this much confidence to Willie last year. And why is that? Because while Willie Gay has just every essence of what you want in a linebacker, He was just not there mentally yet from a mental standpoint. And that's really not his fault. He just didn't play a lot of college football. Nick Bolton played a lot of college football at a very high level. He's ready to go. I'm very happy with the praise he's getting. I think if Ben Neiman, you know, I don't, I think that him and Neiman, there's a chance they could split reps this week. There's a chance they could split reps for a little bit. 
but I would like to at some point, even when Willie is back, see Hitch start to take over, start to get a little more run here and there with him. But this could be a big week for him also. But man, it's going to be a big matchup up front. I'm going to get back into that. I know I didn't. I know I was just talking about that. I want to get back into it. Chris Jones at defensive end. He is, he's looked good this preseason. He's had some calling for defensive player of the year. I'm a giant Chris Jones fan, but I I want to see it, okay? I want to see it. He needs to come out and be the double-digit sack guy for the Kansas City Chiefs. He needs to be, you know, he needs to be the guy that when he comes out, he is going to intimidate everyone on the field. And I really don't think that with Chris Jones, the big deal is going to be, you know, can he play defensive end effectively? I think it's can he play end and can he play tackle play effectively? Now, there's also going to be, hopefully we can get some sort of a Frank Clark. You know, hopefully they can get something out of him this week. I don't think they play him too much this week. I think they're going to roll a lot with Okafor and Mike Dana. They trust Okafor. They trust Mike Dana. I think that they're going to come out. I think that they're just going to want to roll with those two. Put Frank Clark in here and there on third down. They're going to kind of mix it up. And then on the interior, they got a lot of stuff they can do. Derek Nottie, Jerron Reed, that's going to clog up that stuff on first and second down. And then that's going to bring it into third down where I think they'll have Jerron Reed and Chris Jones potentially inside with also throwing Tershawn Wharton or Colin Saunders in the mix. Both of those young guys are going to be in there as well. So that's pretty That's pretty basic. I mean, that's pretty much basically the defensive game plan, I would say. Stop the run, limit the play action passes, limit the big rips, be on the lookout for the sneak plays, the trick plays, because the Browns are going to throw something in there. You know, they, they've they got to come out and prove a point to the NFL. They've talked all offseason. Their fans have talked all offseason. Everyone said this and that. Their defense, you know, their offense is the best. Their run game is so good. Well, we're going to find out how good Baker Mayfield is because there were a couple of times late in that game last year when Spags brought the house. He brought the blitz, and it was late on third down a lot of the time. He's getting that ball out of Baker's hands quick. He's going to make him pay. So that's that. Other big thing I want to talk about is, of course, the Chiefs' offense. Because as good as the Chiefs' defense could be this year, and as much as they could be you know, in a little bit of trouble without Tyron Matthew, I think the, uh, I think the big thing is going to be all eyes are going to be on the front five. Okay, There's going to be three rookies playing on the Chiefs' offensive line who are about to be scrutinized incredibly hard. They're about to be put on a pedestal and pretty much in front of the entire country. And, you know, and even the two established veterans who have played a lot of football, who have their names in the all-pro teams and in Pro Bowls, Joe Tooney and Orlando Brown, they're going to be taking heavy scrutiny also. I, I just get worried that if the Chiefs' young offensive line shows, if they look good, but they even show, like, some signs of struggle at some point in the game, people are going to be freaking out. People are going to be hitting the panic button. Now... That being said, I don't think that's the case because this unit has looked incredibly talented all season long. This unit has looked incredibly, or not all season, all preseason, all training camp. And really, it's it's been remarkable that they're coming out here with five completely new players who have never played a snap of actual NFL football together. They're bringing all these guys out here, and they're going to have them all on the field, and they're going to have them ready to go. Okay? Orlando Brown's going to be playing left tackle. You know, big strengths for him. He's massive. He's a very smart football player. When he gets his hands on you, you're going to get thrown around. He's so big that even though he gives up a little bit of quickness, on the, he can give up quickness at times on the edge. He, if he sticks his hands out and makes contact and makes the guy go around, that's just as good as if he holds him up at the line of scrimmage. Joe Tooney, technician. I've said this, this is Mike, I mean, he's the Mitch Schwartz of guards for the NFL. He does everything correct. He does everything perfect on every play. He consistently wins. There's never a play where he looks overmatched. There's never a play where he looks confused or he, like he doesn't know what he's doing. A consistent battler, a consistent competitor. And 
he, I feel like he's just tailor. He's a tailor-made guard for what the Chiefs are trying to do. Then you got Creed Humphrey. I think he gives up a little bit of athleticism inside, but he's a big boy. He's a tough guy. He's a mauler. He's incredibly smart. He's incredibly disciplined. Him and Mahomes are already communicating. You love to see that. They're on the same page. When a center and quarterback can get on the same page, that's when you know it's going to be a good season offensively. And I'm already seeing that. You know, you see the checks at the line of scrimmage. You see the calls. We're going to see even more of that as the season progresses. I'm excited to see that. And then you move into Trey Smith at right guard. This could, I mean, I've been saying this all offseason. We could see the steal of the draft here, and it's going to be prime time. And then I think he's, I, I think he's going to be special, guys. We're just going to have to wait and take a look at him. I mean, I've been studying his film for over a year and a half now. He's been amazing at Tennessee. I want him so very much to be, you know, the next best guard in the NFL because he has the potential to. And then you go to Lucas Niang. And he probably had the best preseason of any player on the Chiefs' offensive line. And that's saying something, because back in March and April, everyone's calling him fat and out of shape. Okay, well, let's see how he plays. Oh, we saw how he plays. He looks very good. He looks very, very smart. He's got quick feet for being such a massive individual. Guys, him and Orlando Brown stand shoulder to shoulder. They're the same person. They are built the same. But Nyong just had, he, he doesn't have as much power as Brown. But, man, his feet are so good. His feet are good, and he really just moves and reacts well to what he's seen. And why does this matter? Because there's a man named Miles Garrett. He plays defense for the he plays defense for the Cleveland Browns, defensive end. He, he's the best defensive end in the NFL. I know T.J. Watt just signed the mega deal today, just became the highest-paid defensive player in the NFL. Miles Garrett's still the best defensive end in the league. He caused some problems in the playoff game last year against Mike Rivers, even though I think Andy Reid did a good job of providing help. He And he's just so talented. He can play the run. He can play the pass. You see plays of him running 20 yards down the field to hawk down McCole Hardman. He, I mean, he's just so talented. And we've seen all the crazy numbers he could put up in the sack game. The Chiefs' goal this week for their offensive line, it needs to be come out and seek out Miles Garrett and put a little damage on him. You know, see if they can't go out here and make him, you know, impose their will. Because word gets around in the NFL, if Miles Garrett's talking to some of his buddies on another team, he says, hey, these guys for Kansas City up front, they're some big, mean, nasty guys, and they come out and they're trying to physically impose their will on you, that's going to start to maybe intimidate some people across the league. That's going to create an aura around this team that I think is going to make them very successful. Jadavian Clowney, he has a lot to say about, you know, he's got a lot to say about a lot of the guards in the NFL, but he hasn't practiced. I don't know if he'll play in the game. If he does play, though, he needs to keep his head on a swivel because you can't say stuff like that about an offensive lineman and then not expect him to come out and try to back it up once the season's starting. Looks like I have a request to speak here. From uh, Jake Bushbaum. I'll go ahead and open it up if anyone wants to speak, and then I'll kind of get back in to more of the preview. I've been talking for a while now. Let's hear what some of y'all have to say. How are you doing, Jake? I'm doing good. You know, I'm happy that uh, the NFL is back. You know, I'm a Jets fan, so I'm going to be waiting for, uh, for, for the Carolina game. I think that's going to be a very interesting game. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot closer than uh than people expect like i'm just really excited for this new regime we don't we don't we no longer have uh adam gaze and like i think robert Saul is gonna and joe douglas and not and also zach wilson are gonna turn around that this team sooner than, than people expect in my opinion oh yeah and you know the uh the jets actually just got a chiefs practice squad guy i've been real high on uh tim ward I think he'll be a rotational guy for Robert Sala. He'll probably have about five sacks this season. He'll make some plays. I think Robert Sala is doing a good job. He's trying to build up the defensive lines, building up the O-line so they can protect Wilson. And he's a smart coach. You can tell just the way he's trying to set his team up. He's trying to set them up, I feel like, kind of how Shanahan and Lynch did when they first got to San Francisco. But the big thing is they're not they don't have to go out and pay Jimmy G the Jets. They got their guy. 
They got their dude in Kyle Wilson. He looks amazing so far. So, I mean, it, it should be a big season for the Jets. I mean, they, if they can win like six, seven games, I'd say that's good improvement from where they've been. I agree. I agree with that. You know, watching the game and like, but, uh, but you know, I'm going a little off track, but like, but my my heart goes out to everybody because like, you know, in two days, this will mark the uh, the 20th anniversary of the uh, of the September 11th attacks, and like, it hit. It hits everybody different, but it hurt. It hurts me, you know, real in like the heart, like because even even though I was only, I was born like three years later, you know, I'm in. I'm like a. Um, I'm from New York. I'm from the New York, New Jersey area, and I know how how much uh, it meant. And um, I actually wanted to share a um, uh, an, an, a 9/11 NFL story. So I don't know if you were alive, you know, for, for this, but. The can't they there was like a, a conference call. I think it was like the day after the the terrorist attacks on the, uh, the the twin towers in New York, and a lot of the players around the league were on a conference call with uh, Commissioner Paul Tagliabue, and they said like you know we're canceling uh, week two, you know because nobody wanted to go to, to to be there. Like everybody just wanted to be with their families, but you know so the Jets were playing the Patriots. I'm sorry if I'm, uh, you know, talking a little too much. Absolutely not. Go ahead. This is fascinating because I so, was alive for 9-11. I was four years old, and I don't remember much of it, but I do remember sitting in the basement of my parents' house here in Kansas City and just kind of – I didn't know what was going on, but you could see the kind of how everyone's acting. You knew this wasn't normal. It didn't matter how old you were at the time. Yeah, it wasn't normal. And what's crazy is like, <clears throat> I think I saw this on like Wikipedia or something like that. So the map, like, so the two planes that hit the Twin Towers, one of them came was coming from uh, from Boston, and I think the other was coming from Newark. I could, I could be wrong. I don't think it came from Newark though. I think maybe both uh, came from Boston, but there was, a, but it also there was a, another plane I think that that hit the Pentagon, but there was another plane I think. That was going like, there. You know, like the plane that landed in like that area in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Yes. That was going. That was going to hit the uh, the Capitol. They were like, you know, trying to, to target the uh, the Capitol building. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. I'm getting I'm pulling up the uh, the I'm pulling up the 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 um the map right right now. But but going back to my story, um, you know, so one of the Patriots offensive guards uh joe Peruzzi. he had uh three brothers uh a retired uh you know at new york city uh firefighter his three brothers uh you know were all firefighters and one and they they were actually in the the uh the towers during the the uh the time of the attacks and the patriots uh team you know they obviously had a very deep connection to 9-11 you know it was like you know through joe and his three brothers and um, and when mm-hmm. when they were about to come out of the tunnel, Joe Andrews grabbed the two American flags and he like you know started like you know sprint sprinting out uh, on the field and like you know even though like I'm a Jets fan like that I I love that that moment I still get chills uh, whenever uh, you know I, I see that moment. Yeah. You know, I as a Chiefs fan, I have an interest. I, there was actually a very interesting moment at Arrowhead Stadium in the first game back from 9-11 because the Chiefs played the New York Giants, the oh, first yeah. game the Giants had after 9-11. And, you know, I, I'm too young to remember it. I can remember it just from seeing highlights and stuff. But the Chiefs, you know, the Chiefs kingdom at Arrowhead, they gave – you know, a giant ovation that lasted for minutes, you know, and there's a lot of opposing players that were uh, on the Giants at that time, like uh, Morton Anderson, the kicker. He said that it was like the first time he had ever seen opposing fans cheer for a team that much. And of course, it was 80,000 strong at Arrowhead, much like I hope it will be this Sunday. But I thought that was a really great way for everyone in Chiefs Kingdom to kind of honor everything that had gone on as much as they could and you know how much the country was hurting at the time and Mm -hmm. you know this sunday you know that 20th anniversary it is going to be big because a lot of the players you know a lot of the players that are going to be in the game they're around my age you know they can probably remember it but not vividly 
But I know for people older than us, like around my parents' age, this, that's a day they'll never forget because that yeah. is a day that our nation was in general under attack. But Jake, that was a great story. I appreciate I appreciate you coming on and telling that right now. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to. I'm looking on Wikipedia because like I was. Remember how I was telling you the uh, the map and like you know how they like you know planned out the um, the attacks. Like, but that's like some effed up shit. You know, it's not even effed up. You should, he, the, they should should have. I mean, at least they, they passed away. But like, but thank thank God, you know that 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 they died because th- who who does so- something like that? I I'm just like I, I I'm just like I I, I don't I have any words. You know. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just the most it's like the mo- it's the most tragic day in America for a lot of reasons, just because of all the, you know, people are going through their literally daily routine and the next minute their lives come crashing down like yeah. the Twin Towers did. We you know Bill- they came crashing down inside of the towers. It's incredibly sad. Um The NFL absolutely did the right thing by canceling the games this week. I just mm. it's just I'm like feeling. I feel it. Like, I feel like if like Roger Goodell was the commissioner, I think maybe he he would cancel it. But like, I mean, I feel like Roger Goodell is like all all for the money, in my opinion. I feel like Paul Tagliabue did a did a better job that, that than he did. Yeah, I mean, the game has definitely become more commercialized over the last twenty years since then. But if something like that were to happen, you know, that close to a game, I think that's the kind of circumstance that's. You know, they they literally can't, you know, you can't plan for something like that. It's literally the entire nation would be shocked. So I'd like to think that Roger Goodell would have a heart if it came to that. Now, hopefully we never get into another situation like that ever again. I don't think we will. Well, because of, because of like how improved security is and like, and they, they like, and like, they secure cockpit in the airplane. So I have the map uh, pulled up right, right now. So there were two planes in Logan Airport, and they, those were the two planes that crashed in. You there, Jake? Uh, yeah. Yo, can you hear I can't me? really. Just a little bit. Oh. So there were two planes from uh from Boston Logan Airport, and they were uh, they they attacked. The, um, the obviously the twin towers, and there was a flight from Newark um, that I think was going to like you know crash into the um, the cap. I think it, it was going to be the capital, and the um, and it think it crashed into an area of Pennsylvania. I actually went to that uh, to that you know place you know where, where like the plane crashed in uh, in Pennsylvania. Basically, what happened was. And my mom uh, told me this story a couple times. Um, can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, there were like there was a hero from New Jersey. I can't really remember his name. I think I'll ask my mom uh, tomorrow. But um, I'm sorry if I'm taking up too much of your ta- time or, or anything. You know, it's a, it's okay. It's okay. You know. So mm-hmm. basically, they were um, they knew some, something wasn't right because they had a, one of the planes had a bomb on board. Some of the um, some, some some of the passengers like it, it, it was just brutal, but but there was like I think like maybe two or three passengers. So he got his like two buddies and like and they you they 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 used the beverage cart and they they like you know at the cockpit. Don't going to let these people beat us, Jake. You're cutting out, buddy. I don't know if everyone can hear you right now. Oh. Yeah, I mean, you've been. Yeah, you were cutting out. It just seemed like you were saying what you were saying was getting interrupted, or we couldn't hear what you were saying. I think I know what you're talking about, though. As far as they, uh, the plane that was supposed to go into the Capitol crashed in D.C. because the people came in. You know, the the uh, they came out with the. Uh, they came out and pretty much the plane, you know, they led a revolt. They really, you know, the poor those poor people on board, that's really all they could do at that point was try to fight back a little bit. At least they were able to save more lives by going down in that field in Pennsylvania. That's pretty much about what we can say. I mean, it's a terrible situation. At least their bravery of those people on board did save some lives. Yeah, you know. I'm watching the game right right now, but I all I but let's like you know, 
get on to happier subjects. So your Chiefs, you know, obviously, like, they're they're like one of the Super Bowl favorites. Um, how do you feel going into this game? Like, like, what do you think the Chiefs ha- have, to have to do if they want to hold off a very uh, vengeful team uh, to get revenge on you guys? Well, it's gonna first off, it's gonna be very hard for the Cleveland Browns to get revenge on Chad Henney because I do not anticipate him playing <laughs> an incredible that, amount of true. reps in this football game. And like I was talking about with the offense, well, I think the Chiefs' offensive line they need to come out and literally one of my keys to success for the Chiefs win up front, win the battle up front, pretty much win every play up front that you possibly can out physical the Browns, make them want to quit because I'm getting into it now as far as with the Browns defense. Everyone says the the Browns defense is much improved. I think their secondary is going to be a lot better than people think it's going to be. But just because you've improved does not mean you're ready to take on the Chiefs right now. And what the Chiefs were missing in the Super Bowl when they when they were playing Tampa, who is going who is live right now versus the Dallas Cowboys. They're missing their offensive line. That's what the game came down to. Mahomes had no time to throw. Even though the Chiefs could have run the ball, they were not confident to run the football. And if you remember in the regular season last year when they played Tampa, Tyree Kill, who is easily you know one of the top two or three receivers in the game right now, easily the NFL's biggest game changer by far, he just had a heyday on them. An absolute heyday. He just, you know, it was deep ball after deep ball. He runs the underneath routes well. He was striking from all areas of the field. Nothing could be stopped. Mahomes was throwing some absolute dots, though. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he, that's the thing I, I, I've always respected about Mahomes. And, like, other than Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes is probably the most talented quarterback I've ever seen, seen play, play in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, he's incredible. And we get into that. With Patrick Mahomes, you got to think. Coming off of a game where you don't score a Super Bowl and you're the face of the league, you're the best player in the NFL, that's got to really make him a little, you know, a little pissed off deep down inside. He's not going to be too happy about that. This team has a chip going, their team, this team has a chip on their shoulder right now. Look, I know a lot of people are going to talk about the Super Bowl slump, the Super Bowl curse. This Chiefs team is too deep right now and they're far too talented to go through yeah. there and have a Super Bowl slump at this point. Yeah. Now, like I was saying, if they can give Patrick Mahomes time to throw, this will be the best this could be the best offensive line he's ever had. It's also going to open up the run game if the offensive line plays good. And this will we'll get into a guy named Clyde Edwards Alaire, guy oh who was goodness. very very underrated headed into last season. Had over 1000 all-purpose yards and he only played in 14 regular season games. Teams are going to open up the box this year. If you look at the Super Bowl last year, Tampa Bay, they were inviting the Chiefs to run the ball all game, and the Chiefs just didn't. The reason for that being was because I think that Kansas City was very weary to run the ball. Tampa Bay had the best run defense in the NFL, very good interior defensive line, very good linebackers. They were weary to run the ball. But as the game played out, you know, they were able to get some rips with the lair because it was there, because Tampa Bay was selling out to stop Travis Kelsey, to stop Tyree Kill. And here's where I'm going to get. I'm getting into it with the Browns versus the Chiefs here. I've... I understand the Browns' secondary is a lot better, and I understand their linebacker. They drafted the linebacker from Notre Dame. That was an absolute steal, JOK. Mm-hmm. It was me, a steal. With, to me, with, with all the injuries that uh, Baltimore suffered, I really don't trust Pittsburgh, in my opinion. People are very high on the Steelers. Like, I think their defense is going to be solid, but their offense, I feel like, is going to be like very stagnant, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, and I think that's why the Browns are probably favored because they've, you know, on paper, the Browns should be improved defensively. But how much improvement is it going to take to knock off the best offense in the NFL? Because you can be improved and you can draft young guys all you want. You really want a rookie staring down the face of Travis Kelsey every play in the opening day of his NFL career? Uh, That's what I'm saying. That's like a nightmare matchup for a rookie, if you ask me. That's what I'm saying. You know, it, t- Travis Kelsey's been it all. He he can beat the best corners in the game. He can beat the best safeties in the game. We've seen it time and time before. 
And then you also got to consider that Tyree Kill is going to be in that mix. Now there's an interesting player for Kansas City who I think we're going to see how his season is going to go. I think this week will be a big microcosm of it is going to be McCole Hardman. Some are yeah. hot on him, some are cold. I say keep giving him a little more time. I say give him another chance to play. I want to see where he's at because, guys, when he is ready to go, he is an absolute playmaker. He's an absolutely dominant player across the board when he is, you know, when his mind is right. When he's not, he makes mistakes. But just the pure athleticism and explosion out of him, that could be enough to give the Chiefs an advantage because if they can get an explosive play out of Tyree Kill once a game, and if they can really even move Tyree Kill into doing, you know, some every down more, even more every down receiver stuff, mm-hmm. which by the way, Tyree Kill is so much more than just a deep threat. Go look at the routes he, he runs. No he's one a can very run good route runs. runner. He's also, um, he's like, he used to be like a deep threat, but he's like very much improved in, in the category of like, you know, route running and like, you, you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's, he's really put the time and work into his game. He's a big he's a big explosive guy for being like not the tallest in stature. You see the way he goes up for those jump balls. Oh. There's not there's not a reason that a guy that's barely 5'11 should be able to go up like that. He can jump probably he's probably one of the better deep throw jump ball guys in the NFL just because of that. And then where I want to see the Chiefs utilize him, continue to use him more on that inside, you know, that's the big thing for me. That's where I'm really excited to see his game from. But mm-hmm. I'm looking at it. I think the Chiefs are going to come out. I want them to try to out-physical the Browns. That's number one. They have to come out and make a statement this game. I want to see them punch the Browns in the face and really – if if the if Tampa Bay and everyone else in America is going to call the Chiefs soft after that Super Bowl, that's fine. That's well deserved criticism of the Kansas City Chiefs. But don't think for a minute they're not going to go out here and correct that. And they've started yeah. to do that offensively. I think Clyde Edwards Alaire can I come like out. A strange, I have like a strange feeling we're probably going to get a rematch. The only team I I think that could that could like you know beat Tampa Bay dirt in the um in the playoffs is probably like. If they get more consistent defensively, I think either LA, Seattle, or Green Bay, they all those three teams, in my mind, have the best chance to to to, uh, to beat Tampa. Yeah, I can agree with some of that. I think that uh, I think personally that uh, the uh, the Forty ers are going to have a pretty good season this year. I just think it depends on how quick they get Trey Lance in there. But that's a I think conversation. Jimmy's start the first couple of weeks, though. That's a conversation for another day, though. Oh yeah. But really, with the Chiefs, I think the thing this week you got to win the physicality. So that means winning up front, winning both sides of the line of scrimmage. You got to win third down. Third down is so crucial. We saw it a lot last year versus the Browns, even in the playoff game, when the Chiefs can get off the field on third down defensively. You saw it all the entire first half of that game. You know, they're bottling everything the Browns up. They're making them punt. They're making they're forcing field goals. They're making Cleveland do stuff they weren't used to doing. And in return, that opened up a situation where the Chiefs were able to take that big lead in the first half, go up 19 to 3. You know, some big plays made by Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey to get that lead, to which really ended up solidifying the game for them. That's gonna be big. And Winning third down is big in general because if you can get your defense off the field on third down and keep the other team's offense out of rhythm, and then in, on the offensive side of the ball, if you can convert on third down and you can keep wearing down that defense, that's the recipe for winning football right there. And, of course, they got to have those explosive plays I was talking about earlier. I brought that up with Tyree Cole and Nicole Hardman because if the Chiefs can get Nicole Hardman to his potential this year, they could they could have something like we've not seen in a long time because everyone's going to be keyed in on Tyree Kill. There's no questions. They're not going to be able to hide him. They're not going to be able to go out here and tell everyone, you know, this is like something we've not seen before. Everyone knows what Hill wants to do, and he's still going to be good enough to beat 95% of the people out there. He's still going to be better, good enough to run past a lot of people. But a game like this against the Browns, a big game, you like to have – 
McCole Hardman in your back pocket and be able to throw him something. And this is going to be a big week for his development because I think they're going to give him some looks. I think they're going to give him some shots. Now, that other Chiefs receiving core, you know, they got the guys. They got uh, Demarcus Robinson. We know who he is. We know who Byron Pringle is. Darius Fountain and Marcus Kemp, I don't really see them playing too much right now to get things going. I'd really be looking to see what Pringle does. I just not much. I'm not sure about Demarcus Robinson. He's just a guy. He hasn't shown much consistency in, in his entire time in Kansas City. I feel like they're going to try to go away from him this year, even though he did make the roster for another season. Other big unit to watch offensively for the Chiefs. What's the tight end rotation going to look like? Are we going to see four tight ends? Are we going to see two? Are we going to see three? I don't know. They might not even dress all four, but they have the option. Now, Travis Kelsey is the best in the game. Where can they find some more receiving yards through those other guys? Who can block? Blake Bell, great blocker. Don't think we're going to see him catching too many passes this week. You know, if Noah Gray has developed himself enough, maybe we can see him play some time, get a little PT here and there. And then Jody Fortson. I think that's the guy who everyone wants to see. Big guy. put on. He's 6'6 already. Put on 30 pounds this offseason. Went from a Division II wide receiver to an NFL tight end. You doing okay over there, Jake? We're hearing a lot of noise from you right I mean, now. I'm just like, I'm just kind of hyped, man. You know, I, I'm sorry, bro. But uh, you know, but the thing is, uh, your your division's going to be very interesting this year. Um, you know, I think that um, Justin Herbert, I that's like the Chargers are probably going to be the closest team to to you guys. I still think you guys win the division. But I do think you guys have some some close games with the Chargers and the uh, and the Broncos. the The question with the with the debt with Denver is uh, is if they can get consistent QB play from Teddy Bridgewater. And you know, knowing Teddy, like Teddy does not turn the ball over that much. But you know, he's not really like a quarterback that you can like you know win a Super Bowl with. But when you look at the Broncos roster, and I know. You know, you probably hate the Broncos, you know, because you're, you know, you're, you're a diehard Chiefs fan. But do you think that they, they, they're going to be a, like a, a major threat to you guys along with, with Justin Herbert and the Chargers? I love the Denver Broncos because ever since they had Peyton Manning, even before, they have made horrendous decisions at the quarterback position. So I love John Elway. I hope he stays there a hundred more years. I hope he keeps drafting more Drew Locks. I hope he signs more Tread Teddy Bridgewaters. <laughs> I'm ready to go. You can put all the talent you want on Denver. They can't compete until they have a quarterback. That's the bottom line with that. And the Chargers, with the Chargers, I'll believe it when I see it. Because I've been hearing for a while now about how good those Chargers are and have yet to see it. And as far as the Raiders go, they are absolutely bungling everything they can possibly bungle at this point with their franchise. I see we have someone else requesting to speak. I'm going to let him in real quick. Uh, 216... Tusik's done a terrible job. I feel like, but I feel like some of the blame should should also go on Mike Mayock as well. I see we have two sixteen. Everything he wanted to say. Hey, how are you doing today, sir? Hey, I just wanted to say Browns are winning it all. It's our year, baby. Well, seen everything. I don't necessarily know about that because there's still a little bit of softness on the Browns' defensive line and in their linebacking core. I don't – well, we did get rid of Sheldon Richardson. That hurt. But we did add Jadavian Clowney. And, I mean, we still have that bad man, Miles Garrett. Well, here's the thing. Jadavian Clowney's been the most overrated player in the history of the NFL. I've never seen a guy come into the league with so much hype – and not succeed at anything he's done. He's supposed to be the best pass rusher in the league. He had J.J. Watt on his side in Houston, couldn't do anything. And you go back and look at that Chiefs-Browns game last year, you know, Darrell Williams, the Chiefs' backup running back without a horrendous offensive line, had some pretty good rips against the Browns in some pretty key situations. So that'd be something I'd keep my eye on for this game as far as maybe the Chiefs' running game goes. Okay, I'm not necessarily looking for the Browns to win. But if we can play them competitively and it's a good game, that's all I'm asking for. Because, I mean, I'm more of a basketball guy, but I love the I love the Browns. I love every single Cleveland team. But I don't know. This is the first time in my entire life, really, 
that I can confidently say that the Browns are contenders. Why is this so stupid? So I might be biased. Mm-hmm. But you got to press the Are you a big basketball fan? Well, you got to press the green button maybe to speak. No, you know, I'm, sorry. I, I understand. I'm, I'm doing I understand. an apartment application with my it's, girl. It's okay. I understand the hype of the city of Cleveland right now. I'm actually going to the game on Sunday. I'll oh, be attending awesome. it with a friend of mine, an old roommate from college who is a Browns fan. He will be wearing his Baker Mayfield jersey. He is not he doesn't know how to feel right now. I tried to explain to him that you can be excited for the game. He's probably we're, we're going to go out there and we're going to have a really good time. And I understand the excitement out of the city out of the city of Cleveland from Browns fans, you know. The Browns have just been this cosm of terribleness, this chasm of terribleness for so long where they've just been so bad and so unentertaining and so disinspiring to the city of Cleveland that they, you know, that you go out, you get your charismatic quarterback. After the Freddie Kitchens experiment, they go get Stefanski, who I think is a good coach. They load up their offensive line. They got Miles Garrett. They go out, they get some big names, some big time talkers, and Odell and Jarvis Landry. So, I mean, that it seems like it's there. It seems like they're ready to go. If there's an area where maybe the Browns could have an edge over the Chiefs, it's going to be maybe with Jarvis Landry and Odell against somewhat of an unproven Chiefs secondary, especially if the secondary doesn't have Tyron Matthew. Because you go into it and you look, you know, Charvarius Ward is what he is. He's going to be a good, solid cornerback. He's going to make some plays. He's going to give up some plays. Mike Hughes looked good in the preseason. We'll see how he performs regular season-wise. But then you got that man, Legereus Sneed. I haven't even gotten yeah. to talk about him yet tonight. But that could be an area we see the Browns have a dis- holding advantage on if the Chiefs, you know, if the Chiefs can't really, can't really get their rhythm defensively. We could see Baker complete some passes to Landry and Odell. Well. I mean, you got to think though. We have two really good running backs too. I'm not completely sure. Oh yeah, that's very good. Sorry, I'm not completely sure about the Chiefs' defensive line. I know they're good. I can't tell you any names, but um, I don't know. It'll be a high-scoring game for damn sure. I think before you got on, I talked a little bit about how I think the Chiefs' defensive line is better than it was last season, and how for large portions of that playoff game, the Chiefs defensive line completely shut down Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. It was only after Mahomes left the game where the Browns kind of put their foot down on the pedal and tried to get back into it by running the football. But if up until that first half they couldn't get anything going, the Chiefs played stout just because I think Chris Jones came out and had an absolutely dominant performance for the Chiefs along with Anthony Hitchens for the Chiefs front seven. Yeah. I mean, I want to see Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Because I feel like he didn't live up to all the hype that was around him. He didn't live down to it. But there's a lot of growth right there that can happen this season with him. You know, when you look at last season, he came in as a rookie. He had no training camp. He had no OTAs, no way to really get adjusted to the playbook or the climate. They can't do regular meetings. They can't all be around each other. He can't be in the facility 20, you know, 15 hours a day training and watching film like these guys would normally do. You know, he kind of had to try to learn everything on his own. I thought he did a very admirable job. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, the reason he didn't look as good last year is to be flat honest with you, the Chiefs offensive line was terrible. I was talking about that a little bit earlier on the show. They stunk. They really, they probably cost the Chiefs more than the Super Bowl last year. They've really, it's partially the bad offensive line why Mahomes got hurt last season. So I think that with the improvement on the offensive line that we can see them improve quite a bit. I see we have another speaker request here for Dr. Barnaby Chiggins. Let's hear what he has to say. What's up, man? Uh, How you doing? Yes, yeah, it's, it's the good old doc here. I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Outstanding. Doing well. No, it's good to hear. I, I've enjoyed listening to you guys speak as well. Very intriguing stuff. Thank you. We appreciate that. Thank you, sir. Yes, thank you. We're just I'm probably going to hop off, though. I need to get a home. <laughs> Y'all have a good night, though. You do that, you my know. friend. You know, but C- Caleb, um, I wanted to, like, you know, go back to uh, to, Den- to Denver a little bit. like, But I agree with you, though. You know, I do think, think that their defense is probably going to be a top 10 defense in the NFL. You know, I think they they have like a, probably one of the best secondaries in all 
the main question though is with the quarterback and like if they trade for for Deshaun Watson for Aaron Rodgers next season I definitely think it it who at Denver no I'm saying like next season if they if they uh, trade for uh if they if they get like a, a real quarterback like a rod or uh or Deshaun Watson but I, I'm not sure with Deshaun because of all the allegations against him. I don't think they're going to go for Deshaun just because specifically of those allegations. You know? Those yeah. are some wild allegations. Those – Very fishy. Yeah, but he's also been settling some of those allegations, so, so that makes him look a little bit guilty on his side. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a paralegal. I'm not a judge. I'm not a juror. I don't want to play that game on here. There's a reason I specifically haven't talked about the Texans all offseason is because they're a joke. I their situation is mind boggling. How they can <laughs> how they can go from, you know, on the cusp of being a contender in the AFC to where I think we all assume they'll be the worst team in the NFL by a wide margin this off season or this Sha- whole season. Shaq Lawson got traded to the Jets. Like he said like he, he was ecstatic. Like like imagine like you know, being happy, like, you know, getting traded to the Jets, though. Like, like when you're happy that you got traded to the Jets, like, that, that, that's like a, a sign, like, you know, um, that's like, that's just a sign that you're the ultimate dumpster fire. But the thing is, like, but the thing I don't like about that is, like, the Jets and culture has rapidly improved after moving on from Adam Gaze. Right. Yeah, man, it's absolutely, you know, it's a culture change. Robert Sala is bringing his winning ways from San Francisco. He's trying to bring him up to New York. It's been a while since the Jets have had a winner. They deserve one. It'll be absolutely something that they deserve. I see that I'm running short on a little bit of time for my slot. I have about four minutes left in this episode. So I'm going to say a few closing remarks before I end this room here. But bottom line, I've gone through all the keys to the game. I've said where I think the Chiefs will excel. I saw it where I think we could see them struggle. And this show is called Chiefs Take for a reason. It's because at the end of every episode, I, and eventually when I do get some uh, co-hosts on here, we say our Chiefs Take of the day, of the week. Whenever you predict a Chiefs Take correctly, uh, that's usually that's a fun time because you get bragging rights over everyone. So first I'll say what I think the final score of the game is going to be, and then I'll tell everyone what my Chiefs Take is for the week. Final score of this one, I think that it'll be... I'm going to go with 35 to 17 Kansas City over the Cleveland Browns. Ooh. I think that Patrick Mahomes throws three touchdown passes. I think that we see Clyde Edwards Elaire run two in. And I think that we see the Chiefs defense really come out and get after Baker Mayfield. I think, you know, Chris Jones does several big things, even if Anthony or even if uh, Tyron Matthew doesn't play. I think we see all those guys succeed. My Chiefs take of the week, and I already told this prediction on a different show that I do for my uh, YouTube show, but my big Chiefs take this week is I think that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire rushes for around 150 yards and scores two touchdowns. I think that the Chiefs offensive line comes out and they run the zone. I think they run some power, some counter. I think they get the, the big boys pulling around, the big boys moving. I think we see everyone start to roll, and I really do think that is how this this game is going to go. Of course, Patrick Mahomes is going to look dominant. It's an opening season game with Andy Reid as his head coach. We'll see the explosive plays. We'll see the fun. What I'm most looking forward to, though, and I haven't been there since last season, but it didn't really feel the same because of reduced capacity, but Arrowhead Stadium is going to be going 80,000 strong. It's going to be rocking. We are going to be. What do you think the halftime score is going to be? Halftime score, I am going to go. um, I think it'll probably be, I'll say like 21 to 7 at halftime. I think the Chiefs have a good lead heading into half. I think they come out and have some pretty well executed offensive drives. I think the Chiefs being able to run the ball, they keep the Browns' offense off the field in the first half. And I think Mahomes looks deadly accurate. I think the 80,000 strong, like I've been mentioned, 
as you know, it feels like people have been ready to erupt. I feel like it's going to be a pretty loud day. Going to fuck, you know, of course, we're going to force some false starts. They're going to do a little bit of everything to try to make the Cleveland Browns as uncomfortable as they can because I do think it is going to be a bad, bad day to be a Cleveland Brown this Sunday at Arrowhead Stadium. Guys, I think that's it for me. I think that's going to be it for this room. I'll go ahead and close this down now. Uh, For those of you guys who've listened in to everything I had to say, for those of you guys that spoke, I appreciate your thoughts. I appreciate your comments. It all means a lot to me, and I really hope that uh, you guys all have a great weekend. Let's enjoy some good football tonight. Let's enjoy some good football this weekend with the college games. And NFL is back, baby. Let's roll. And and I will say – I've I, I've always wanted to go to Arrowhead. I've always wanted it to, you know. Ex- I'm, I may do that, you know, maybe when I'm an adult. But like, but I feel like if I go there, like, you know, I've I've heard great things about Arrowhead. Like when it's at whenever it's at full capacity, like like that stadium is loud. Yeah, buddy. You 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 think it's loud, and then you get there and you see how loud it is. All right, guys. That's it for this. Yeah. That's it for this man. room. That's it for Chiefs you, take. Everyone, keep on keeping on.